1: For three in the
2: wind. Yes! Dion has done it! I watched
0: Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First
1: team all decent. First team all decent. I don't know about this, but Rihanna just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
3: <laughs> Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast joined by a special guest, his first appearance, I believe, of the entire season, Kenny Ducey from the Action Network. Uh, if you're in the NBA Twitter world, if you're in the NBA betting world, you're, you're probably well familiar with Kenny's work. But, uh, Kenny, you're a veteran of the podcast. But like I said, it's been far, far too long since we've had you on.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I I, I know you're trying to avoid me here, or maybe you don't want to talk about, <laughs> talk with the the guy who had the worst draft in the Sirius XM and Rotowire joint. Uh fantasy draft fantasy league whatever it may be um but you know that's all you're gonna have to face the music you're gonna have to face me sometimes so
3: yeah it's just Here too risky you know bringing you on you know, the, the the listeners have their demands you know we have sponsors of this podcast and you know um obviously you're, you're just such a controversial figure but uh let, let's talk about that rotowire series xm espers League draft uh you and i are struggling in this league I, i've made some Very incremental progress over the last few weeks, mostly because uh, guys like Lamella Ball and and Damian Lillard have been healthy. Uh, You're you're kind of scratching and clawing as well, but I feel like both of us really botched the draft uh, in this league.
4: Yeah, well, in a, in a roto draft, right, it's, it's always difficult to, I mean, if you have a bad start, if you have a bad couple of weeks, especially in a weekly league like this, you're, I mean, you're, it's a it's an uphill battle. So, yeah, yeah. I, I had, I made a few big bets on, speaking of betting, on, on some players that didn't really work out. Um, I made a bet on Ben Simmons that didn't work out. I mean, Embiid's been great. I think he was my first pick and I I had targeted him as like the best fantasy player and I feel okay about that. Still, but yeah, I mean it. Uh, it has not gone well. Tyrese Maxey got hurt. I, I Russell Westbrook was. I mean that was a mistake. I figured maybe he would just try to pad his stats. Yeah, he had some yeah. decent stretches, but um, yeah, I mean also I was like really excited to pick up Bull Bull. That was like a really that was like my crowning achievement of the league, and then you know he uh, kind of crashed and burned after that. So. It's it's been tough, but you know, look, I, I still I still like my team. Like that's the weird thing. I'm in twelfth place, but I still really like my team. I still think that they could have a good finish here. Josh Giddy could could maybe lead the way for me. I don't know, but um it it's I learned I learned a lot about my emotions. I think I I just sort of drafted very emotionally with some of these players. I, I don't know why I thought Kawhi Leonard was gonna play like, you know, 60 games. Like he's just he's not going to. So you know, it's uh, you live and you learn. You, you gear up for next year, and maybe, uh, maybe I'll take Kawhi again, but maybe I'll take him like three picks fewer, uh, three picks lower.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking back at your draft right now, and I'm kind of with you. Like there, there are a couple picks that I will say I disagree with. You know, one of those like taking Russell Westbrook really at any point in any draft is just a no-no for me. Uh, but you know, you, you took Ben Simmons in round six. It's not like you grabbed him in the fourth round. Like that was it, at that point, you know, guys like. Uh, Christian Wood, you know, Jakob Hurdle, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson are going off now the don't board. Don't say was those not. names, man. It, was, it wasn't completely crazy. I'm trying to defend you here. It was not completely yeah. crazy to take Ben yeah, Simmons have Christian Wood. at that spot. Uh, per game-wise, Kawhi Leonard's actually been really good. I mean, he's a top 30 player in eight category leagues. He ranks inside the top 20 in nine cat leagues. I made the same mistake as you did in the Rotowire Stake League, League, uh, which is you know, a, a fairly high-money league as far as Roto-Wire leagues go. And it's killing me. I mean, he's, he's been fantastic, but when you miss what, 20 of the first 30 games of the year, you just put yourself in such a hole that it's almost impossible to climb back out of. But yeah, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, I like that pick in round four. I have him in a ton of leagues. Um, you took Josh Giddy in round five. I feel like he's been, he's taken a bigger step in real life than he has in fantasy. You know, still has some pretty notable category deficiencies. Like, Andrew Wiggins in round eight, one of my favorite guys annually to grab in that range. Nobody thought yeah. this would be the year that he would finally not play like 78 games.
4: I also felt really good about like that pick early in the season because he was killing it, right, you yeah. know, and, and and it was like, oh, this this guy is going to be such a vital part of a, a, a potentially championship team. And, uh, you know, he, he, he he's been OK of late. But, yeah, I mean, look, I also think just to defend myself a little bit, it, it does feel. Like injuries really have killed me. And obviously, Jeremy Grant's uh in my lineup right now and he's he is uh day to day. But then obviously we talked about Kawhi Leonard and Tyrese Max, he missed a lot of time. You know, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, Ross, like I, I know that you can kill me for the Russ pick, but still he, you know, he he's missed a, a ton of time and then now he got traded. And I, I still think like when he was, you know, he was at least like a pretty good Three category player for me. I mean, I know he gets turned the ball over like every possession, but um, right. you know, it. I, I don't. I don't regret it. And then Bennett did Matherin as well. I thought the start to his career was special, but then I quickly realized like he's only going to just give me points. Like he's not going to give me anything else. Um, and maybe, maybe that's why I'm in the position I'm in.
3: You know, it's funny you bring up Matherin because I think he's one of the probably top five guys in the league where there is just a massive disconnect between the the season that it feels like he's having versus how valuable. He's been for fantasy. I mean, like in nine category leagues, he is outside of the top 225 because like you said, he doesn't do anything but score. I mean, he's given you 17 points per game, but the field goal percentage is below average. He's under 43%. Uh, free throw percentage is fine at 83. He's taking a bunch. So it's, it's not really helping you, not really hurting you. He's turning it over two times per game, not really doing anything on defense. I mean, he's a very, very low assist player. I, I'm still pretty high on Matherin. You know, like last night, the, the, the chase down block that he had on Colin Sexton I mean these are like wow type of plays and I think athletically size wise he passes the eye test with flying colors but yeah he's one of those guys that I think developmentally the fantasy value should eventually come but I don't even know if it's, it's a guarantee next year that he makes a, a massive leap fantasy wise like do you it, I did not intend for this to be a Ben Matherin podcast like five minutes in but like where developmentally like where, who would you kind of compare him to like what kind of path do you see him taking over the next couple of years
4: I don't know. I mean, it it is it is. Sorry, I'm I'm distracted because I just added Gordon Hayward uh, and dropped Lonnie Walker from my team. <laughs> now you're making me reassess my I've... team. I'm like I'm like trying to I'm trying to wheel and deal here just because I know you're distracted and you're not on the wire. Yeah, well, I, so I just I'm got like, the notification
3: Man. on my phone, so thank you.
4: <laughs> I, I got I got the notification as well. Um, and it and it, it 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 makes me happy. No, I don't I don't know who to compare him to. I mean, look, I I think he he is he is him. Like I, I think that's that's the the best thing I can say about him. I feel like he has those intangibles i feel like he has the mindset to be a very good player in this league um you know and and not sort of you know he, he's not along the beaten path of other arizona wide uh, uh, wings where like stanley johnson came into the league you know yelling about lebron it was kind of ironic that mathurin did the same thing but um he, he is a very very good scorer of the basketball and you know that that I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe he maybe he could be this generation's DeMar DeRozan where you're just like this, you know, this guy just mm-hmm. averages 20 25 points in his sleep um you know, gets the recognition at, at a certain point in his career being an all-star but never really um you know, elevates to like that elite superstar status. I mean, I, that that that's a guy that comes to mind for me. I just feel like um he he has a lot of talent and the Pacers like I got yelled at not yelled at, I, you know, we, we say yelled at, we use these words, but um, you know, I, I, my editor uh, at, at action, I wrote up uh, rookie of the year. I actually wrote up Ben, ben- Matherin as my favorite pick, uh, you know, preseason betting. And I was like, oh, you know, like, and and you also have to remember, like, the Pacers are probably going to compete for a playoff spot this year. Um, You know, they, they could be kind of good. And he was like, they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Really? You think that? And I was like, I mean, why not? Like, sure. They, you know, they have some they have some good pieces. And uh, we were just talking before this this pod started about how I have Andrew Nebhart on my team because I think he, I, I've watched him play. I think he's pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, start a riot here, but like, you know, I like him, whatever. I have a whole thing about uh Halliburton and how I don't like him. I like Nebhard better than Halliburton. But I, I'm I mean I'm obviously going to admit that mm-hmm. Halliburton's better, but um, you know, I, I just th- that team's full of talent. Um and I just think when you have a lot of um, you know, you have a good playmaker in Halliburton, you have good shooting, that's gonna result in a lot of guys putting up good numbers. And I think Mathurin is a guy that is, you know, he could end up leading that team. Like he could end up being the best player on that team. Uh I don't know what is realistic like ceiling is like I don't know if he's ever going to be like a, a top 15 player in the league but he can be top 20 maybe top 25 in the league at, at you know at his peak so I, I I like what we're seeing in the early returns though I mean clearly it, it reminds me also of like Donovan Mitchell when Donovan Mitchell came in the league I remember uh, I'm thinking about this now because it's it's spring training time in baseball but being down talking to Donovan Mitchell's father who worked for the Mets um, in I think Donovan's first year or second year and he was just like, you know, Donovan was telling me that it's so much easier to score in the NBA than it is in college. Mm-hmm. And some of those some guys come out and they realize, you know, right away, like, the, you know, that this, there's way more space. It's way more easy. It's way easier to get inside score the basketball. And I feel like Matherin just has that, that that those instincts already. And he sort of has a really good feel for mm-hmm. how to capitalize on his talent and, and, and maximize his ability. So. You know, I think that, I think that in, in that way, he sort of is seeing it easier than he saw it in college. And I, I think that it's not really surprising to see him continue to take stuff mm-hmm. forward.
3: It feels like we see that more and more often, especially with rookie guards who just kind of get suffocated at the college level. Like the court is literally smaller. You know, you have teams scheming so much differently defensively. The spacing isn't there. I mean, sometimes you're playing with like one or two other guys who are a remote threat from three. I mean, some of these teams still play with two traditional bigs. So yeah, I think that's something we're going to continue to see. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been way under the weather these last couple of days, as you could possibly tell. But um, I think that's something we're going to continue to see as long as the college game kind of remains what it is. Like there, there are guys who are very clearly, uh, you know, their, their game is more tailored toward the NBA style. And, you know, and I think was one of those guys last season at Arizona. He's plus 850 right now to win rookie of the year bank Carroll's still holding steady minus a thousand um you know it, it, it's obviously felt like Ben Carol's to lose since like the first week of the season but at the same time I feel like bank Carol's kind of leveled off I mean he's still playing really well he's putting up solid numbers every single night but it, it does feel like some of the like the wow type of games haven't really been there Orlando's kind of faded back into the background and obviously you know the Pacers have lost 14 out of 16 so they're they're not exactly you know on a hot run here either but uh, is there value right now in betting Mathurin at almost nine to one?
4: I mean, I, th- I I think so. Like, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I think that uh, you know you talk about Bancaro, Like, last I'm just looking at his game log here. Last nine games, he's only shot twelve uh, percent from three. Um, I, I've I've watched a, a couple of Magic games because DraftKings had this incredible uh, promotion where if you're team goes up by 10 they'll pay you out so i bet on the magic a lot over the last couple of weeks um mm-hmm. and uh you know I, just like uh, yes he's had some good games but there's also still t- way too many times where to me he feels uncomfortable he feels like he he doesn't really know what he's doing out there um you know the game is a little fast for him so you know i'm not i'm not saying it's faster in general but i'm saying like he he ha- you know to your point he hasn't sort of been that great lately, um, and and he has sort of hit a wall. Maybe that maybe that proverbial rookie wall. Uh, you know, look, and you mentioned like that Orlando is just way out of it, and obviously Indiana is is out of it uh, somewhat as well. But like, yeah, I mean, there's always the possibility where they they shut they shut him down, or um, they you know maybe they cut back on his minutes a little bit to keep. Him, I mean, I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, there, there's definitely a world where Matherin wins rookie of the year like the the Pacers win like, you know, 8 out of 10 get back in it. Because they I mean like uh, to me they have the they have a better roster and I mean I think I think that's just pretty objective at this point. I, you know, no, no offense to to Franz and Mo Wagner who have had some mm-hmm. exceptional games lately, but um you know, yeah, that's that's a better roster and so with the better roster, I think you could get the better the better numbers and, and maybe some some more team success and yeah I I, I would not make him plus eight fifty right now I think that it's not as big of a certainty that Ben Carroll wins it as as the odds would indicate. I almost have a bigger problem with Ben Carol being minus
3: a thousand than I do with Mathurin being plus eight fifty. Yeah, and maybe, like, maybe right. you are splitting exactly. hairs there, but like to me, it's not it's not that big of a gap. Like last fifteen games for Ben Carroll, seventeen points that's great, seven rebounds that's fine, three assists good not still not giving you anything on defense, 37% from the floor, 21% from three. Like he he's legitimately not been a plus offensive player for over a month. And look, I love Ben Carroll. He's still getting to the line a ton. Like that's something that I think has been really underrated about his game is he's getting, he's getting to the free throw line, like a, a fifth year, like all-star level veteran, which you just don't see that often. But Mather is not far behind in that regard. I mean, six free throw attempts per game, for a rookie guard who's spent most of the year coming off the bench is pretty ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, I, I think Ben Carroll's going to win it. Obviously there's no value in betting on him right now, but um, a little sprinkle on Ben Mather and at plus eight yeah, I, over at DraftKings. I, I think that's worthwhile.
4: I think it's a good bet. And like, I just, just to reiterate what I said, I mean, you know, look, these obviously are two teams with, with almost identical records, but if you look at the rosters, they're way, I mean, I think it's, I think it's obvious that the Pacers, I mean, they could get back in this as well. They're only, they're only two and a half out of the, uh, uh the, the play in, like they have something to play for here and they have a pretty good team. They have George Hill now behind Andrew Nebhardt. Of course he has to get traded every single trade deadline. It's a, it, it's, it's a, it's a law. And then I don't really understand the. I've still never understood the Aaron Neesmith thing. And I really don't think he's very good. But um, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I already talked up Andrew Nebhard, and we, you know, we know uh, Miles Turner is a very good player when he's on the floor. So I, I, I think there's some, you know, th- there is some magic left in this Pacers team. I do think they will go on a, one more run and push for that playoff spot. And like I could also just see the magic completely just just throwing in the towel at this point mm-hmm. in the season uh, on the other side of things. So like you said, I mean, I, I think there's value in a couple of sprinkles outside of Bankero because we do know that you always have to remember with these, with these awards, they are human beings that there are human beings that are voting on these things. And recency mm-hmm. bias does play a part. So if you have math or close close the last 15 or 20 games of the season on an incredible tear and the Pacers push for the playoffs, they don't even have to get there and the Magic just, I mean, no one watches the Magic because they just continue to lose and lose and lose and, and, and tank, then, yeah, then, then I mean, I think there's a very good argument for Matherin uh, winning the Rookie of the Year Award. So you have to keep, with the with the awards, It really a late push can make the difference because, you know, people, people don't really re- like to remember, you know, three months ago. They remember, like, what happened two weeks ago. All right, with the trade deadline in the rear view, the back half of the NBA
3: season is upon us. And unfortunately, your fantasy team looks like it might be tanking for Victor Weminyama. Uh, We got your plan B right here. It's called Swagger. Swagger is daily fantasy for all fankind. Swagger is the most player-friendly DFS site in the game, created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Here's how it works. Pick 2-10 to player props and score points for the picks you get right. Win a cash prize based on your score. Not the perfect ticket. I repeat, you don't need a perfect ticket to win. Even if you get one or two or sometimes half of your ticket wrong, you could still walk away with cash in your bankroll. Swagger has payouts up to 50X and sometimes even higher, depending on your picks. With hundreds of props for you to play, you can build any ticket with any number of players across multiple sports. Play NBA props along with NFL, MLB, NHL, all the top soccer leagues, golf, tennis, motorsports, whatever tickles your fancy. Swagger's got it available. Ready to play? Go to playwithswagger.com to sign up and choose promo code ROTOWIRE10. That's ROTOWIRE10, 10, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E-10. 10. From the dropdown, Swagger will drop a free $10 into your account to get started. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. Swagger, it's daily fantasy for all fankind. All right, I want to get to the trade deadline in a moment. But while we're on the awards, Coach of the Year has become one of my favorite markets to talk about and, and at least attempt to exploit. Um, like Joe Missoula right now is the betting favorite plus 180 to win coach of the Year. I, I don't know if I love that. You can get Mike Brown at plus 210, Mike Boone 280, Taylor Jenkins, Jacques Vaughn, Doc Rivers, JB. Bickerstaff, et cetera. Um, is there any real value in this market right now? And to me, I, I actually liked the Joe Missoula odds coming into the year when the uh, when the story was so huge out in Boston, you know, when, when they, you know, the coaching changed and everything uh, that had happened with Ime Yudoka, like I, I kind of felt like there was a narrative for Joe Mazzulla to step in and Hey, if he leads this team to the one seed, I think that could carry him. I, I, I just don't know if I agree that he should have the lowest odds at this point, because obviously that's what happened, but that story has faded away so quickly that I, I don't know that he has the same kind of powerful narrative that I thought he might coming into the year.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's, I feel like, like we, were, like I literally just got done ranting about recency bias. Like, who even remembers? That? How many scandals have there been in the NBA and in sports? Like, I don't even remember the Ime Udoka thing. Like, I literally, until you just brought it up, I had not even been thinking about it. And it, and it is credit to him because obviously the, the the Celtics have not, you know, missed a step, right? They've not lost a step. They're incredible. But uh, you know, in the East, I, I there were two names that uh, that stuck out to me. And it's a shame. Obviously this, this team is not in the East, but it's a shame that Zion Williamson got hurt because Willie green, I thought was a sneaky play for, for coach of the year. I felt like maybe uh, maybe people love Willie green. Like I think, I think voters want to vote Willie green coach of the year at some point during his career. He's just, he's done so well. Um, Ty Lou vibes just like very early in his career. And I think he will want, he'll, he will win one. And you know the the Pelicans have had some moments this year. Like it, it felt like one of those teams that could get hot late in the year. Uh, I mean, even last night without Zion, I thought they looked pretty good. But you know, if I'm looking for some value, maybe JB Bickerstaff. I think that's that's maybe the guy I'd target because the Cavaliers are a very very good team, and they're only three back of the Celtics in the win column. And you know, with with all the the firepower uh, that they have, with how good they are, they could absolutely uh, finish two, two in the, in the East, maybe even one, who knows? I mean, they, I think they're that good. So, um, you know, especially as teams just start to, to, you know, they, they know they're going to be a top two, top three team, you know, the Celtics, Bucks, maybe they start to rest some guys or, you know, you, you see injuries, uh, the Celtics are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Right. So, th- th- you know, there's always, there's always a possibility that the Cavaliers finished like top two and in that case, I mean Bickerstaff. I, 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 know, obviously all the credit in the world is going to go to Donovan Mitchell for coming over there and and you know changing that team. But how about Bickerstaff? You know the job that he does there as well. I mean he could certainly get a lot of credit for that and win that award.
3: I love the Bickerstaff call. Um, I, I was on Willie Green earlier in the season. Like you said, it, it just feels like the injuries are going to be a little too much for the Pelicans. And you know New Orleans is ten games back of the Denver Nuggets for the one seed, whereas Cleveland's four and a half back. Boston you know and and Boston I I think in all likelihood is probably going to lose tonight against Milwaukee like Cleveland's path to potentially getting that one seed is much much clearer than a team like New Orleans and and with the Cavs like I don't even know if they necessarily have to get the one like the expectation this year was that the the Celtics would be really good everybody expected the Bucks to be good we for the most part expected the Sixers to be good I, I think there were more questions with the Cavs I mean it's not shocking that they're a good team obviously they took that that big step last season but I think he would he would kind of align with the the type of coach that typically wins this award. You know, it, it doesn't usually go to the coach of the best team, so I think that's where the the Missoula narrative maybe runs into some issues. And I also don't think we have this like dramatically overperforming team that's ultimately not that good. You know, like early on it looked like Will Hardy and the Jazz, like, hey, if, if this team somehow wins forty five games, they're going to lock this up. But obviously, they've taken a step back. OKC's played well, but ultimately they're two games under 500. So I, I don't really think there's this, you know, more with less argument. You know, where a, a coach who barely squeaks into the playoffs is going to win that award this year.
4: I agree with you. I mean, the OKC thing is interesting because I I, I feel like. I feel like they're just getting the most out of that roster right now. They're very young. They play very hard. You know, that's obviously the the marks of a good, a, a well coached team. But I mean, I agree with you. Like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a team that sneaks into the playoffs is going to win it. I mean, there's a reason why Tom Thibodeau and Eric Spolster are plus plus eight thousand, I believe I'm seeing right now. And then, like you said, I mean, I I think that usually it's not just the de facto winner is is the you know the the, the top team or a top two team. So like you know, I I. I'm, I, I, could get involved or, or interested in, you know, looking at a scrappy team, a team that's just barely going to make the playoffs. But then again, like, like you said, I, I don't, I don't know if like a lot of these teams are maximizing their potential. Like, are we really going to, you know, are, are, I mean, any of these teams, like, you know, maybe, maybe Jacques Vaughn, if the Nets, some, <laughs> if the Nets somehow the, the hoop, the hoop nerd, uh, team, you know, finishes like top three. But like, I, I don't, I don't really see. I mean, you know, whatever. We we could literally talk about every single coach here. Let's just about let's just do Nick Nurse plus twenty five thousand. Why not the, the Raptors? Absolutely they're not. ninth. Uh, they could they could go on a winning streak here. Mm-hmm. They could make the playoffs. I don't know it. it, it I I JB Bickerstaff I think is the is the most likely guy outside of like you know Mike Malone and Joe Mazzulla to win to me. So I I don't know why I would not make him I would not make him a thirty to one long shot.
3: All right, you brought up Jock Vaughn in the Nets. This is a good seg now into kind of the fallout from the trade deadline. Did you just and say seg? Seg? Segway? Did Down you just shorten Segway? Segue? Yeah, Segway. I've never heard anyone right. shorten Segway
4: before like that.
3: Yeah. Hey, that's just what we do over here, man. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are minus 1,400 right now to make the playoffs. And I gotta be honest, I kind of I, I kind of threw that out the window after the trade. Like I, I started referring to the Nets as like a rebuilding team. Like I kept having to, to kind of catch myself and I was writing about the trade or, or talking about it, this team is in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. So obviously you know, more has been made of Kyrie Irving landing in Dallas and, and Kevin Durant in Phoenix, and we'll get to those guys. But like, what, what do we make of what's left now in Brooklyn? Because it, it feels like a rebuild, and yet they played well enough with KD and Kyrie that all of a sudden this team that probably as currently constructed is not the fifth best team in the East is going to be in a pretty interesting spot as far as, you know, can they hold on to a non play in playoff spot?
4: Yeah, and the answer is absolutely not. And I, this is this is not. You know, you're you're going to assume here that you brought in uh, uh, someone who's I'm literally wearing a Knicks hat today, and you're going to assume that okay, well, this man cannot be trusted. He is not credible. He does not believe in the Brooklyn Nets. He is a hater. And now the third part is absolutely true. I am one of the biggest haters on the internet, but. What I will say is I, I actually like the Nets more now because they don't have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're a little easier to root for. But with that said, and I and I did reach out to some Nets fans with my condolences you know after after the trade because they were it it was a tough, it was a tough day, tough day for Nets fans. But with that said, I have watched them the last two nights, which are the first or the last two games rather, which are the first two games with their new guys, with, with Mikhail Bridges in the lineup with Cam Johnson <laughs> in there. Um, You know, Dinwiddie, obviously uh, you're right there. you good. I heard that.
3: I'm under the weather. Dude. All right. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going. I, I
4: know. I'm just, I just, I feel like we could, you know, we, could, I, 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 I. if there were ever a time for me to be long winded, I guess it'd be today. And, and <laughs> um, look, I watched these last two games. and I don't know if you did, but I certainly watched the the totality of the Nick game. I watched most mm-hmm. of the sixers game. They scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. They look, I mean they they played really good defense for most of that game on Philly. And, you know, that was a game where Joel Embiid played, they were at home and a similar situation, you know, in the New York game uh, last night against the Knicks, they played You know, pretty well. I thought they had some, some nice moments. Bridges never really got it going offensively, Uh, but once again, 23 points in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think that's my largest point here is uh, this team is lost without their stars. And you know, you you can, you can run your, your half court sets. You can, you know, find some open looks for three. So it's great. You know, Joe Harris is going to hit some threes, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, they're going to hit some shots, but um, you know, when it comes down to it, it, w- where are the guys that are going to close the game for you? And I know that that is such a first take, uh, you know, skip Bayless type of thing to say, but you really have to look at how this team has finished games. Mm. The fourth quarter against the, the the Phoenix Suns. And look, I think, or excuse me, against the Philadelphia 76ers. And I do think I'll preface this for saying, I think that, Eventually, they figure it out because obviously Spencer Dinway's hit some huge shots, right? He's got big cojones. He's, he's hit game winners. Uh, you know, he hit that three-pointer po- three from the logo that didn't count against the Sixers in this same game I'm talking about, right? Obviously, the guy can hit big shots, but he's never really been the go-to guy. And when you look at the the way that that fourth quarter unfolded, he was one for three with two turnovers. Uh, Mikhail Bridges was 0 for three. Finney Smith was 0 for three. Johnson was 0 for one. The only person, that, the only people that made shots were the guys that have already been there, Cam, Ben Simmons, and Joe Harris. And then the Nets came. It was a very similar finish where Dinwiddie had two turnovers down the stretch. Yeah, he, he scored eight in the fourth quarter because he had four free throws. Uh, but, you know, 0 for three from three, like, you know the the thing is, you, you know three quarter the, the first three and a half quarters of an NBA game are just way different than the last, you know the last six minutes when you have, um you know it, when it's a close game and I feel like the Nets with their defense are going to be in a lot of close games. I don't trust them to win these games because I just they don't have a guy to score in isolation. And Dinwiddie, I, I think thinks he's that guy. I think a lot of people think he can be that guy. He can, he could develop into that guy for sure. He's very talented, but right now they have a lot of question marks that they need to to answer. And I don't think that it's just going to magically happen in a week. We always talk about when super teams are assembled, we always say, well, they're going to need like a whole season to get used to playing with each other, Uh, you know, and, and why don't we ever talk about it when, you know, um, this isn't a super team, of course, I don't think it's a bad team. Like, I think that they have really good wing defenders. They have good shooters, but like, they need to figure out who's going to, who's going to, you know, take the ball late in games. They, they just didn't really have to get comfortable in that role. And, you know, I, I just, for as much as we talk about this vaunted Nets defense, it's been great. But like, this is like, look, the Los Angeles Lakers had a similarly strong defense the last couple of years. They had LeBron, freaking James, and they still couldn't figure it out offensively, right? Like it's not just a given that because you have a strong defense, you're going to win games. So, I, you know, yeah, maybe you're going to beat the Rockets or you beat the Magic, but you know, they're fifth in the East right now. They're going to have some tough games coming up. They're going to really have to 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 perform to stay in the mm-hmm. playoffs. And when you look at a team like the Knicks, that just really they add that missing piece with Josh Hart. They're finally coming together um they share the ball so well and then late in games they have two guys that they can go to for buckets how many big buckets has jalen brunson had and, and and julius Randle with his with his incredible you know season and then the heat above the you know between the nets and the knicks the heat very similar situation very similar vibes to the nets where it's like you know Heat fans are freaking out that they don't under they don't know what to do late in games they've lost so many close games they're trying to figure out their closing lineup victor oladipo tyler hero like there was a moment where i was like oh that's the answer no one knows. So like, you know, there is something to be said for the top four teams in the East right now, late game, uh, late, close, late and close. You feel very good about all those teams winning. Heck you know, even the Sixers sometimes drop the ball in that regard, but, the other teams behind them, um, it, I feel like these teams are just sort of frantic, and they're sort of trying to still figure out their 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 late game rotations. And the Nets, I mean, the Nets are going to have to figure out their their just rotations in general. That's going to take weeks. And maybe that's a maybe that's a nod to Jock Vaughn as coach of the year if they're able to 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 just stay five or or, or even raise the, their their seating higher. Maybe that's a testament to Jock Vaughn's performance, but I feel like you know the Knicks are hot on their heels. I think the Hawks are a wagon. I think the Hawks could catch the Nets. The Heat certainly are. There's a game game and a half behind. I just think by default mm. the Heat will finish higher than the Nets. So I'm I'm not very high on the Nets, and um, I know that hoop nerds like like ourselves are, are usually you know they, they like the Nets now because they have bridges but you know and they have some good wing defenders and they have a really good shooter in Cam Johnson. They could end up being, you know, a, a, a force next year, but it's going to take time and I'm I'm pretty sour on them this year.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data
5: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
3: One bet that I like right now is Brooklyn plus 275 to participate in the play-in tournament. I don't think they could fall out of that range. I mean, we're, we're talking seven games between where they are now and the bulls and 11th, like even if you're not high in the nets, like that is a ton of ground to make up over the course of 25 games uh, when we're talking post all-star break. So yeah, I'm with you. I I think it's likely that Miami passes them up and it's likely that one of the Knicks or the Hawks pass them up. You could even see Toronto potentially, although, you know, even, even then we're looking at six and a half games. So I I think think they they ultimately settle, they settle in that seven to nine range. Right. I mean, like, I I just don't, it would have to be a absolutely disastrous post All Star break for them to completely fall out of the postseason.
4: Yeah, I I think that's actually a very sharp way to play this. I think they ultimately do make the play in tournament because, like you said, I mean, I'm not going to lay it out again, but the amount of ground separating them from the play in tournament right now is, I mean, it, it's only two games now. That the Knicks just beat them last night and made a statement. Um, it that that feels for sure where they're going to be. So, um. I'm surprised that the odds are, are that long. I mean, maybe people are just sort of, uh, you know, bullish on, on Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Mikhail Bridges like, and, and you know, why wouldn't you be, they've been great um, in their respective Western conference teams over the last couple of years. But I, I think this is just a much different story. So I, I, I actually will uh, take that bet. Yes, I will take that. Let's go over to it. the West. The,
3: you can get that same bet on the Lakers at plus plus one ten. They are plus money to participate in the play in tournament. So to you, is, is that factoring in the possibility that the Lakers, when all these new pieces plus LeBron are together, they're so good that they get all the way up to, you know, above the, the play in tournament line, or is that a reflection of just how much ground they have to make up? I think not enough is being made of how important it is that LeBron is missing these games. they're getting blown out by the Portland trailblazers. They're down 20 at the half. Yeah. Like they, I mean, this is a team that needs to make up ground now. Like with the all-star break is not the halfway point in the season. And you know, LeBron is kind of notorious for needing weeks to ramp up with new teammates. Like I, I, I think they're in real danger of not making the playoffs here altogether. I, I do think that's in the cards. Like I, I mean, Portland is not tanking. I mean, OKC and, and Utah have kind of been in the middle all season, but to me, when the Lakers play the Thunder, like we saw last week, when the Lakers play the Jazz, when they play the Blazers, those are true 50, 50 games.
4: Yeah. I, 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 I'm also worried. I agree with you. I look, you asked me a week ago about the Lakers, and obviously they were in the mix for Kyrie. It felt like post LeBron's rant about how he's in this league to win championships or whatever he exactly said. This was a much different team. This was a team that that had a, a good winning culture, and then obviously they come out and get that huge win without LeBron, with AD leading the way. Um, I don't even remember who it was over anymore. Uh, they'd be the, what they, who'd they beat there. The the the. The, who who did they beat the other night? I don't even remember. When AD remember he had the two blocks and it was. Uh, I'll look. I'll I'll just find it right now. I'm completely blanking um, as well.
3: It was, it was. I remember thinking it was a fairly quality
4: win. By no, like it the was. Standard. It was against Golden State, uh, but Golden that was State, obviously yes. post Curry. But um, right. it was in. It was. I would think it was at Golden State, which is obviously always difficult um, to do. They rarely lose at home, and then they they got walloped by Portland last night in a game that was a pickem where I I had the Lakers, but we don't want to talk about no. that. And um, anyway, look. I I think this is actually a, a pretty good team. I, I think that like they've done really well with no uh, assets to speak of to add a, a competent scorer uh, in the backcourt without you know also getting rid of Wes, Russell Westbrook, which is addition by subtraction. And um, I, I mean, look, I'm still of the belief that you never want to trade away Patrick Beverly, but regardless, like. You know, Rui has been uh, has actually helped them a lot, and Malik Beasley has not started to hit shots yet. But like, if he starts to hit shots, obviously he could improve their perimeter shooting. Mobamba as well. Like, but to your point, you look at this, you look at the standings. I, I can't really think of a lot of. I, I think the Trailblazers um, are better. They're more complete, and they should finish ahead of the Lakers. You're really looking at okay, can the Lakers leapfrog either the Jazz or the Thunder? My guess is yes to the Thunder. I mean, I, I think like we saw last night with the Thunder, they, uh, uh, first of all, I, I want to talk about something that was just, I, I thought they were blatantly tanking last night, which was weird. Like they, um I think it was, they were, they were up by. Uh, they were down by three and there were four seconds separating the shot clock and game clock. And they decided to foul for no reason. And then it just completely killed all their chances of winning the game. It was very bizarre. So maybe they're tanking. Maybe the Lakers finished 12th because the Thunder don't want to make the playoffs. But look, I think regardless, like you said, I mean, the Thunder do have a lot of talent. They have a lot of firepower. Shea is, is incredible. And I, 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 there's certainly no guarantee, especially with LeBron trying to feel out his new teammates, but I mean, to, to his credit, though, I feel like when Rui Hachimura came into the fold, I think he was acclimated pretty quickly. Um, Lonnie Walker mm-hmm. as well, you know, when they brought him in. So, I mean, I think there's a, there's a reasonable expectation here that the Lakers win some games down the stretch. I, I, I do feel like they're going to be, you know, stuck in the play-in, but I don't think they're going to miss the play-in. I think that's, I think that's a little bit of a, of a panic button move.
3: It would be a complete disaster if they managed to miss the play-in, which I, I, it's in play. I mean, look, I, I'm with you. I think that it's probably slightly more likely that they clinch the 10 seed with, like, you know, game 81. Uh, they do play the Jazz two more times. They, they have a very Western Conference-heavy schedule down the stretch. So they're going to have their opportunities. But it, it's kind of crazy to me watching a LeBron team, especially with LeBron still playing at, you know, a, a reasonable facsimile of his peak. That I, I just I never feel confident in this team like when it's a close game if there's five minutes left and it's tied 110 110 I never feel like oh LeBron's got this they're gonna close this out like I, I actually feel the complete opposite like the Lakers really ever since he's arrived there with the exception of the bubble season like it's it's a comical team to watch like the the collective basketball IQ and I think they took care of some of that shipping out Russell Westbrook um, but watching these games like I I think last week against OKC the scoring record game, I think that was a wake up call to a lot of casual fans who have not been watching the Lakers on a nightly basis. Like this team is so, so bad. It's not, it's not that LeBron has fallen off or that Anthony Davis has hurt all the time. It's that they have compiled the worst collection of role players in the entire league.
4: It's pretty funny. It really is. Um, it, and yeah, I mean, I think about it,
3: LeBron the Lakers. it's very funny.
1: <laughs>
4: right. If you haven't been watching um, then yes, you would probably be shocked. But I also think like, you know, with the, I think that, I don't know what happened with the whole Anthony Davis situation. I don't think anyone really got to the bottom of it. I think he was just peeved that they weren't trying to win that game. Um, But I I think along different lines, like, yeah, I, I think I would be pretty, pretty, I think this is a pretty promising spot to be in all things considered for the Lakers, not standing wise, but roster wise, like, yes, they, it is sort of hilarious that it's this Island of misfit toys around LeBron that, that they're relying on to, Lead them to, I don't even know what the reasonable expectation for the Lakers front office at this point is. You can't expect a championship. Oh, what well, can hold you on. Expect?
3: Let's, let's cut in there because that's the thing. Even if they make the play in, and even if they emerge from the play in, you're probably facing what the Suns or the Nuggets when all said and done. Right. Like, what what is the real end game here? It's, it's probably a really ugly first round exit.
4: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's LeBron James leaving the Lakers. That's what you're facing. Like, I mean, there's no way that this team is gonna win the finals. Um, I, you know, the other night when I was watching, uh, when I was watching that game, though, uh, I think it was the the record game. It might have been uh, another game before that. But I was just saying, like, to my friend, I texted him. I was like, if LeBron leads this island of misfit toys to a championship, it will cement his legacy as like the greatest player that ever breathed. Like, you know, like it, it it would be, it would be a a classic LeBron move because we've seen him lead so many bad teams to, to championships, but like, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult with this roster. Um, Yeah, so like you said, I mean this this team is not beating the the they're not taking more than two games off the Nuggets, right? They're not going to be going toe to toe with Kevin Durant, um, who who is going to completely change that uh, that Suns team. I mean, you know, I could see them like beating the Grizzlies or beating the I could see them beating the Mavericks. I could see them beating the Clippers, but like to your point, when it gets down to it. You know, you you may draw one of those teams round one, but you're not getting. I don't think you're getting to the Western Conference Finals. I think that's like a certainty at this point. You're not getting there with this team.
3: Yeah, zero percent chance. Absolutely not. Um, and I, I think the other thing too is there's there's always this this kind of hidden argument of like, well, you know, if if LeBron and Davis are both healthy, it's like they, it's not like they've been rolling over teams when those guys are healthy this season. Like they've they've obviously been a better team when both of those guys are healthy, but they're not. You know, they're not ripping off wins. They haven't had that didn't uh, you know, the Nets like 16 and two when Kyrie and, and KD both played in every game? It's like the Lakers have never had a run anywhere close to that. I think they, at one point they won four or five in a row when they played the Pistons and the Rockets like six times in, in a week. Uh, like they're just, they're, they're not a good team. It, it doesn't matter whether AD and LeBron are healthy at the same time, that there is a, a very low ceiling on this roster. I, I do agree though, that if nothing else, they position themselves better to compete next year. Assuming LeBron and AD are still there, but um, you're still talking about a pretty major missed opportunity. I think it, you know, nobody expected LeBron to be playing this well at this point in his career. And I think the Lakers' front office has gone a long way towards squandering that. Uh, you mentioned the Suns, who are currently in fourth in the Western Conference. What we'll likely see Kevin Durant uh, maybe a week or two after the All Star break. He's still working back from the knee injury. Uh, some pretty encouraging videos of him at least moving around, uh, going through a workout at practice yesterday. The Suns, to me are are in a mode where I don't think they care what seed they get, you know, as long as they're out of the play-in and, you know, could just kind of have enough time for this core to click. I I think they're one of those teams that doesn't care about getting the one seed or the two seed. I think they'll play anybody when it comes to the postseason. Do the Suns deserve to be the odds on favorite that they immediately became as soon as that Kevin Durant trade broke last week?
4: I I don't, I don't know. Like I, 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 I think so just because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of like shockingly good teams in the West or, I mean, I, but that's the thing that like, I feel like the, the bucks or the Celtics just run train on the suns if they see them in the finals. Right. So I, you think so? I, yeah, I, I do. I do. Like I don't, I I've never been a huge Suns believer. Um, So maybe that's why, but you know, I mean, ne- it doesn't feel like it, it feels like it's a one man show there again. Like, it, you know, you, you lost, it, it, it reminds me a lot of when Kevin Durant went to the, went to the, the, the nets in the sense that like all those role players, yes, you know, obviously they're going to have Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and they're going to be incredibly good. And they managed to keep um, uh, Deandre Ayton as well. But like, I don't know, you know, that there, now there's, now there's no more Jay Crowder. Now there's no more Cam Johnson who would always hit dagger threes and, and um no more bridges, Like I just, you know, they're going to, it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment to stay that good on, on defense. And like, I, I just really am. I I do not like these role players. Like I've never thought that Tory Craig, Landry Shamit were like unbelievable, like, you know, uh, guys on the second unit. And Damian Lee, I mean, is, is, he'll get hot for a game or two. So I don't know. I just there I think there's questions here on the second unit, but like I mean they could always just I guess run their starters out for like 37 minutes and it doesn't really matter. But um you know, I don't know. I just I think there there's a way to get to them like I, and and I think that I think that that Boston and or or and or Milwaukee could do it. So I, I, I you know, they should be the favorites. They should be the favorites. But I don't know if I would be like Expecting that ticket mm-hmm. to cash if you took the Suns' future like right before, right as the trade was announced, and you got it in because a lot of people did. And congratulations! There, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of really complete teams that have been playing together. For, how about the Nuggets. We just talked about the Nuggets. Like no one's talking about the Nuggets right now. The Nuggets. The Nuggets are we're, we're a really tough team to get through last year. They are even tougher this year with Jamal Murray. They are the number one team in the West. Like they should. They're deserving of the same sort of you know, accolades we were already giving the Phoenix Suns. I mean, no, not the Grizzlies, not the Kings, not the Mavericks, not the Clippers, not the Pelicans, but like, yeah, I mean, the Nuggets are, I think the Nuggets are probably better and the Celtics are Bucks. I think they meet them in the finals. I think they win. So that's where I'm at on the Suns. I I'm excited about it. You know, I'm happy for my friend who's a Suns fan, but you know, I think they're going to be exciting to watch. And I'm excited about the league in general. The NBA is more exciting now because we have all these, um, you know, all these, all these moving parts and all these t- players switching teams. And it's fun, you know, but, uh, I in the end, it's really just going to be the Clippers to win the finals.
3: Uh, it was only a matter of time. Clippers are 10 to one to win the finals. And I should clarify, by the way, the Celtics are still the favorites to win the title. The Suns are the heavy favorites to come out of the West. Uh, they have the second lowest odds behind only Boston. Are, are, are you actually still in on the Clippers? Is, is this like three year charade still going on?
4: No, not 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 as much. It look, the Clippers don't have that same punch, that, that same magic that they really had. I mean, I, I you you were making me think about the Clippers when you were talking about how they don't automatically win when they have AD and LeBron together. That's how I feel about Paul George and Kawhi when you look at betting lines like like I do every day, you know, the odds makers as soon as those guys came back and were playing together, it's like they—the oddsmakers expect the Clippers to beat every single team when Kawhi and Paul George are in the lineup, and that just doesn't happen. Um, they've lost a lot of games with those two, and I don't really know what the answer is here. I mean, I—I I think I'm—I'm uh, I'm again trying to remember the game. I think it was the Warriors game where the Clippers blew like a twenty-point lead. Um, and then they just ran like five or six straight ISO possessions for Kawhi and he missed every single shot, um, down the stretch. Like, you know, it, it, I I just think that's with those two, like they obviously could win the finals. They could beat anybody, but, um, I am I'm a little less excited about them now, now that they, they don't have Luke Kennard and they also don't have, um, you know, I, I, I just, I feel like they've lost a lot of the role players that made them special last year, but, but then again, Norm Powell is really good. He's really, really good. So with Norman Powell, I think it's possible.
3: Yeah. I mean, the title pretty much comes down to Norman Powell every year. I think you could trace that through line. Is there an argument to be made that both LA teams, despite having the two superstars, like I, I kind of feel like the league has just passed those guys by in some ways and not to take anything away from how great they still are when healthy, but it's like when, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard came together and when LeBron and AD came together, it was okay. If these guys are healthy, nobody can compete with them. They have the best big two in the league. You know, if you give them decent role players. They're going to go to the finals. Like I feel like the the collective talent level around the league has risen so much in the last two to three years that all of a sudden, even when healthy and even when playing well, just having LeBron and AD or just having Kawhi and Paul George is suddenly nowhere near enough to feel like you're the best team.
4: Yeah no you you're absolutely right. I mean, I, there's a lot of parity now and, you know, like e- even a team like the Nuggets where you could make that, you know, people would be like, "Well, you know, they they only really have two players, right?" I mean, like it that that's their 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 culture, their defense, like everyone's bought in uh, on that, uh, you know, on that end and then the second unit I thought has been really good. Like they have they have some solid pieces. They add Thomas Bryant, which is like un- unbelievable add um, you know, and and you know, obviously Bruce Brown KCP coming off the bench. Like I, look, I I just I, I think that you're right that it is it's still a star driven league to a certain extent, but like it's not it's not like it was five years ago where it was just like whoever, you know, acquires the most stars wins. It really doesn't matter who else is on the floor. Um it, it does it does feel like we're entering that uh we're re-entering that era where, where the Atlanta Hawks, you know, with, with five all, you know, their starting five was all all-stars and they were the number one seed in the East. And it was like, um, you know, oh, that team basketball works. When they
3: announced
4: that. <laughs> that was those, those nerds, dude. <laughs> um, but no, it was uh yeah, I, I think we're sort of entering that, that, that sort of a period in time again where it's like, yeah, I, you do need, um, you do need like two stars, but it's not good enough. Cause like every team really has two stars mm-hmm. It you have to, you know, you have to put a lot of a lot of work into building the roster around them, and and um, you know, really establishing a good defensive culture because, you know, every team is doing that now. Even even the even my Knicks have two stars. Um, so you know, if, if you don't it's not, it's not enough. You're right. So um, the, the Lakers cannot skate by on, on LeBron just being there anymore, uh, nor can the Clippers skate by nor can odds makers skate by on, on Kawhi and Paul George playing together and just ex- expecting that they're going to win every game because um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good bench units. I mean, I see it every night with the Knicks playing, they have one of the best second units in basketball um, that makes yeah. such a huge difference to to be able to, to win the second quarter, most games, you know, it's so the, the, the onus on a good general manager, and it has been very, very difficult to build a good team um, because it's been so competitive. So uh, it, it's, it, I, this is like a, a it, I think I'm starting to have fun following the NBA again, which is cool. I'm
3: with you. This has been a fun year, despite all the injuries. I, I think early on that really, especially from a fantasy perspective, felt like it sucked a lot of the fun out of like the first two months of the season, but Yeah, it's weird to say that like a team breaking up in dramatic fashion, like the Nets was actually good for the league. Like it's more fun to just separate Kyrie and KD. I think to me that the Nets were not really going anywhere. I know they had somewhat put it together, but I don't think it was going to end well. And all of a sudden now the Suns become a really fun team once KD's back. And, you know, let's transition to the Mavericks. Like I I don't really love this move for Dallas because I, I think there are more important things to them than winning the title this year. Uh, And that is keeping Luka Doncic. And if this is the, this is kind of your one big swing to make that happen. I I think you're, you're putting your eggs in a very, very risky basket. With that said, they were kind of in the same situation as the Lakers. And there's a reason that these were the two teams vying for Kyrie Irving. They know the risks, but they also, for, for various reasons, have kind of backed themselves into this position where all of a sudden acquiring someone like Kyrie Irving becomes worth that risk because you don't have another path to acquiring a true superstar.
4: Yeah, and I also think that, you know, obviously Luka Doncic has been, you know, the driving force behind that offense for forever, right? But uh, ever since he's, he's been on the team. Um, but one of the, one of the big bones I've had to pick with the Mavericks for the last couple of seasons has been that they are just like overly reliant on three-point shooting Um especially in the playoffs where you just look at these game logs, like the games that, I mean, it's obvious, right. If you're going to shoot better than 50% from three, you're going to win, but um, they're really, they, they just sort of, they were lost for answers on offense because, you know, when Luka Doncic inevitably starts to get doubled, it's okay. Well, you know, they're going to move the ball around. Are are we going to hit our shots? Are we going to hit our corner threes? Um, And now that they sort of have two ball dominant guards, they can sort of take a lot of that pressure off of Luka. I think it's like, we were just talking at the beginning coming full circle about space you know, just, just creating that space logically, it it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you also, you do lose Dorian Finney Smith, but I I think that they, um, you know, they have Christian Wood coming back. Who's going to be just make that offense, you know, just another he's, he's going to just ratchet it up to another gear. So, um, I, I mean, I, I'm very excited about the Dallas Mavericks and for the first time in a while, I feel like they have a lot of sustainability, on that team because they have multiple guys on offense that can score the ball um and you know the philadelphia the philadelphia 76ers have shown us that you really don't even have to rebound to be good so um i don't even not really even concerned about that anymore with dallas so i i think that i think that this kyrie thing's going to be really good for them it feels like kyrie's pretty focused it feels like he's 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 done being uh the the pariah i mean i guess he came back out and said all that stuff he like kind of retracted all of his apologies so whatever but like it, it does feel like at, at this point he just wants to play ball so yeah. uh, he's he's got he, he's got his original number back on his back you know that's always a good sign so it's huge. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens in Dallas but i i, I think that i think that they're going to be a, a, a pretty a pretty big force in the west
3: i mean is last night against minnesota uh, a game that they lost by the way and kind of had a, a pretty right. ugly final possession where you, know, you got to give credit to i think it was mcdaniels and edwards who basically just put on a masterclass of how to shut down and deny Kyrie and Luka Doncic. But is last night, basically the script for Dallas where Kyrie puts up 36, Luka puts up 33 and 12. Christian Wood puts up 24 off the bench. Those guys combined for 93 of the 121, and no one else really does anything. You know, it's like if, if you're Reggie Bullock, your job is to stand in the corner and shoot threes. Dwight Powell should never be shooting the ball unless he's dunking it. You know, same goes for, for JaVale McGee when he plays off the bench. Like I, I I do worry like these teams that are so, so top heavy and you're not going to get 24 every night from Christian Wood. like, I mean, in the playoffs, I I feel like we're going to see some preposterous stat lines from these two guys. Like I, I think they could, the Dallas basically needs both of them to take 20 plus shots per game.
4: Yeah, I mean that's it, it. Does sort of remind you of the Warriors in that sense, where it's just like you know the other players on the floor just really don't matter. They're there for wing defense and rebounding, right? Like that's that that is how it's designed here. Um, but you know, I, I mean, Green had a bad game. I think Green could could certainly be a, a contributor on the offensive end, and then like you know, I, I think. Reggie, but we're underselling Reggie Bullock. Having, having a sniper is incredibly valuable. I mean, just having watched him with the Knicks uh, and watched him with the Mavericks, even in that first Kyrie game when I think he get like seven threes. Um, you know, I, I do feel like they have very good shooting. Um, you know, they can get hot, but I think the, the thing that encourages me and I know I just got we just got done talking about how you need a really deep team in the NBA but the thing that encourages me is that the Mavericks like again to my earlier point they only shot 33% in that game they still managed to come back on the Timberwolves with being down like i think they were down like they were down more than 20 points at a certain certain point um they were able to come back on the Timberwolves without shooting just with uh you know getting the ball to their playmakers and their scorers and letting them score so you know i think the shooting will pop, like they will have those amazing shooting nights and they will look unstoppable. Um, But I, I do feel like, you know, it's a good example of, well, you can still, you can shoot poorly and you can still put up 121 points and uh, nearly come back on a team, a, 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 a playoff team as it stands right now. So I I, I think they're going to be okay. I, I feel better about the Mavs than I did a couple of months ago and yeah, losing Dorian Finney Smith sucks. You know, we, we all love Dorian Finney Smith, but that'll be, I think that team will, will figure it out. And, you know, then you get uh, Markeith Morris in, uh, you know, you, you get him in a fight and maybe he puts up 10 points for you in a, in a playoff game. All
3: right. Before we let you go, uh, we got to get to the Knicks. I've been saving it for the end. Um, I don't know where you want to go with this. You could talk Jalen Brunson. You could talk Josh Hart. Uh, you could tell me what kind of bets you know, you've been making on the Knicks night to night. Uh, we could talk Knicks futures, uh, but the floor is yours, Kenny.
4: Oh yeah, that's great. I'm I'm happy to talk about the Knicks. Yeah, I had um well I did take them plus 230 to make the playoffs months ago and now they are minus 230, I believe. So I feel good about that talking about bets made on the Knicks and I also obviously took the Knicks last night because it I I had watched I had the Sixers against the Nets in that first Mikhail Bridges Dinwiddie game Cam Johnson game and and uh, I was I was appalled by the late game offense for Brooklyn so naturally yes I I was like well this is gonna be a close game the Knicks will pull away because the Nets are lost right now they don't know what they're doing on offense but the Knicks the Knicks are very exciting the Knicks have uh the, the you know Jalen Brunson is. It, the, the three-point shooting of Jalen Brunson, I think, has been the biggest surprise. Like, I don't think anyone expected him to be this amazing of a scorer. And he has been spectacular. Um, so you know, th- just th- like I said earlier, too, like the ability to have two guys to go to late in games, they've they've him and Julius have learned how to play off each other so well. Um, you know, in, in those in those crunch time situations, or even just in, in general throughout the course of a game, which I think is a really, really, really good sign for the Knicks because Julius Randle's attitude, right. Has been one of the things that has held this team back over the last couple of years. And, you know, whether it, whether it comes out in him just taking too many shots, you know, killing the vibe, whatever it may be. Um, Julius has found a way to has, has shown the ability to just sort of lay off. And if if Jalen Brunson is going off, like he did last night when he had 40 points You know, Julius Randle is not going to take that many shots. He he did take a a few threes down the stretch, but you know, all things considered, he stepped aside, let Brunson have the spotlight because Brunson was the hot hand. The Knicks are going to ride the hot hand. And and the thing is both of these guys can get incredibly hot, but yeah, I mean, Josh Hart is a guy that I think I watched, I think I watched him put up like 18 points with the Blazers like a, a month and a half ago in just like a random game I had bet on. And I was like, wait a minute. Like I didn't know Josh Hart was like good as hell. Like this guy is like really talented. Obviously he has an incredible vertical and he's a great rebounding guard, but um, you know, just the intensity that he plays with, like that's a good culture guy. I could not believe that the Knicks basically just got him for free. You know, Nick fans loved cam reddish. He was, he he had talent and I liked him as well. He, he, he he played hard, but Josh Hart is is that missing piece. He's the guy who, you know, brings those intangibles to the to the table, but also like just I mean, what he is giving that team on both ends of the floor just through two games been spectacular. I can't talk enough about the Knicks. I think I think this is a really good team. I really do. Um, I think that I think that they have a very good blend of um guys that have, have played in. I mean, obviously Jalen Brunson's played in some huge playoff games. They have guys that have been around for long enough, but are still in their primes. And then you also have a uh, really, really good young talent. I'm, I am super high on Quentin Grimes and was talking to one of my coworkers last night from the action. We were slacking about uh, the Knicks and he's, he's a fellow Nick fan. I could not be happier that the Knicks retained the rights to Quentin Grimes. And it, yes, if they got Jonathan Mitchell, okay. I, you know, that's the thing. I don't even want to think about what the Knicks would look like with Donovan Mitchell because none of these players that are performing right now w- would be on the same team like Obi Toppin wouldn't be a Nick Quentin Grimes wouldn't be a Nick they you know obviously they never would have gotten Josh Hart yes you you know and they wouldn't have had Jalen Brunson um so yes Donovan Mitchell is better than Jalen Brunson Donovan Mitchell probably leads this team to the Eastern Conference semis but I think that's the ceiling and uh, you know when you want to talk about building a championship team um I think you are somehow they managed to find a a all-star point guard or he'll be an all-star next year uh, you would think um on a on a cheaper deal than you would you know, find um, Donovan Mitchell. And then you also have all these amazing young talents that you've drafted and they will probably add a couple of probably add one more piece, um, you know, over the next couple of years, that's, that's a a big, a big core uh, rotation piece. And I, I I mean, I I think that the future is pretty bright for this team. Now that Jalen Brunson has proven to be just this unbelievable player. But like I said, I mean, this guy's shooting almost 42% from three. That is to me the biggest the biggest uh, shocker of this uh, of the season um, at least for the Knicks is like that has that has just absolutely taken this offense to another level and he just continues to get better um, every year and I think that there was a lot of skepticism that you know a guy that the guy that leapt from you know averaging like just over just just barely double digits in points per game and wasn't a starter uh, his first year as a starter he you know yeah he was he was nice last year with the Mavs but. I, don't, I didn't expect him to be a superstar like this. So, I mean, the the we have unlocked and we have unlocked this this incredible score, this incredible shooter. I could not be happier and he is absolutely the best nick point guard uh, that, that I've seen in my lifetime and he is going to be here for a long time. It's very exciting and um you know, I, I also like a, he somehow found found a way to get the best out of Julius Randle, which I think was th- that guy was a huge problem last year and again, attitude-wise Ability-wise, he was he was taking bad shots. He was turning the ball over. He was just disappearing late in games. Um, You know, to be able to get the best out of him, make him an all-star again, and then be able to keep Quentin Grimes, who I think is Baby Booker. um, He's he's incredible. So I uh, I can't say enough good things about the Knicks. But they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have some some fun wins. Uh, They're not going to win the finals, but um, they go to the the conference semi, sure.
3: So when you say Brunson's the best Knicks point guard in a while, does that include? Langston to Galloway.
4: Ah, uh, it does, but okay. uh, you know who I'm okay. forgetting about is Ricky Lido, who uh, was was incredible, <laughs> and of course Alexius Fed as well. Oh, you know, there's oh a lot goodness. of guys now that I think about it. Tony Douglas deserves deserves. Yep. Yeah, Tony Douglas was probably better than Jalen Brunson ever was. So maybe I should yeah. backtrack. So I'm on that. the basketball
3: reference page for that 14-15 Knicks team. That is the team that went 17 and 65 under Derek Fisher. The, the four listed point guards on that team: Pablo Prigioni, Langston Galloway, Jose Calderon, Shane Larkin.
4: Shane Larkin, Oof. yeah, of course. He he's a uh, he he went over overseas and, and became a legend in uh, in Euro League. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh it's it it's been a long time since the Knicks have had a, a point guard that has been able to, I mean, you, you, you can, I, I think he, what, what to you is he, I, is he a top five point guard? Is he, he's a top 10 point guard. I don't Dylan think Brunson? he's a top five point guard, but it, he's like right in the middle there. Right. It's like, maybe so you're like, talking Brunson. Yeah. He's not, uh, I don't, he's, not five, he's not top but five. He's not top 10. He's top 10. I think,
3: I think he's on the borderline of the top 10, but I think that speaks to just how many good point guards there are. And I think it, it depends. Like, are we considering James Harden, a point guard? Um, it's like, I don't know, like Jalen Brunson versus Darius Garland. That, that is a, that is more of a debate than I thought it would be. I think I would take Brunson and it's really close. Like I I love Darius Garland. Um, Yeah.
4: There are a lot lot of point guards. I mean, if you consider Giannis a point guard, then yeah, then it gets very difficult.
3: Yeah. I I think he, I think he's probably just outside the top 10, but again, it's, it's really no fault of his own. Um, but I, I think the bigger thing is like, it's now a debate between him and a lot of these other guys who this time last year would have clearly been considered better than Brunson.
4: He's ninth in PER among point guards, so if if you if you care about that, but yeah, I mean Luca Luca better, Uh, Curry's better, Morant, Morant is better, and then um,
3: that's four. Yeah, I would. would, Are we call? Are we considering him a point guard? I think we are, right?
4: Yeah, I yeah yeah I guess so. But well, I, no, see, I don't know. It's like something that's interesting that it's, now
3: is like Brunson versus Fred Van Vliet is is right. like oh, it gets, a legitimate. It, well I right?
4: Brunson's better. I think Brunson's better than Ben Van Vliet. But it does get interesting after that if you want to rank point guards because you have guys like Tyrese Maxey who, you know, yeah. I, I mean he I mean he is very good. Jamal Murray, Darius Garland, as you said, Drew Holiday, yeah. Halbert. I don't know. I still would rather have I'd still rather have Brunson than than all those guys, but like you know, when, when once you get into like the Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving, I think Kyrie Irving is actually a very good discussion because like I think Kyrie is still better than Brunson, but like, for how long? For how long right. is that going to be the case? So I don't know. Also, he doesn't play defense, right? Like, yeah.
3: So is there. is the sting of missing out on Donovan
4: Mitchell just completely gone? To, I mean, look to me, it is. Yeah, I I. I maybe I'm scarred by the Carmelo Anthony trade because the Knicks gave up their entire team for Melo and we're never the same, but like it it is gone because like, again, I'm trying to imagine the Knicks with Donovan Mitchell and there's so many amazing fun pieces of the New York Knicks that just, that you just don't get to experience if Mitchell's in town. Like you don't, you know what I mean? Like Quentin Grimes is not a Nick, and Quentin Grimes is very, very important to me. Um, I I don't know who else is on that team, but yeah, I I think it's, I think when, when we're talking about trying to, I mean, I think the Knicks just locked into finding two stars. Like, I don't think Brunson was a star. He, I think is now a star and they were able to do that without trading away anybody. That's, that's the key um you keep those core pieces and now like if you want to go like there obviously were discussions at the trade that had been ananobi um i'm sure there is going to be another disgruntled star that hits the market in the next year because one it happens every four months that someone's upset like you know they are able to get not brunson for free because they obviously paid him a lot of money but you know they didn't have to use their assets to get him so now you know god god forbid like you know some some huge name hits the market you can go ahead and and then you could trade Obi Toppin and picks and don't trade Quentin Grimes, but maybe they trade Quentin Grimes and, you know, then, then maybe, maybe you are a finals team. So who knows? But I think that they are, they are continuing on the right path, which is, which is excellent to see. Um, it reminds me of my beloved New York jets with, you know, just stacking assets and not really firing them at, at, you know, or not really getting to use them. Like I, you know, when they were in the, there was a quarterback that became available, you know, it, it, it's all timing, but, it feels like it feels like they are they are right on the cusp here of of entering mm-hmm. into that like top five East team, which will be great.
3: All right, last thing: where were you on the Brunson signing at the time? Because I I, I thought I thought it was an overpay. I didn't like it. I didn't think Jalen Brunson had this kind of ceiling. I was completely wrong. But where did you stand on it when they actually made that deal originally?
4: Oh yeah, I was I was on board with you. I didn't I wasn't really i wasn't focused too much on the contract because i just i i just figured that's what that's what he that's what he gets that's what he commands that's what he's owed um but yeah it felt like uh it felt like one of those those old nick caa moves where they bring in a a guy that they you know they know is dad and they bring you know they bring in the son you know there's all sorts of, of of um connections happening behind the scenes and that's why the guy winds up there but as someone who you know, I, I has, has faded the Dallas Mavericks so many times in the in the playoffs, and um, you know, thought that they weren't an, a, a you know a complete team. And I mean, look, I I've, I watched Jalen Brunson play a lot. I was not sold on him being this this team leader that he is right now. So to your point, like, yeah, I I, I didn't. I wouldn't say I hated the signing, but I wasn't like a huge fan of it. I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. And now I'm sitting here. I, I that my silver lining was that Quentin Grimes was still a Nick. I bought a Quentin Grimes Jersey, like a year and a half ago. I love the guy. I think he's really good. So if, if you didn't know already, but um, so, yeah, so there were a few silver linings. There where like some of the young players that Nick fans have gotten to like quickly top in Grimes stay And I was like, okay, well, maybe Brunson will be good, but I don't. Again, I don't think anyone expected him to be this good. Um, No one did. Yeah.
3: All right, thirty seconds. Who's representing each conference in the NBA Finals? Who's winning the finals?
4: Okay, I'm gonna say the. the, Look, I just don't think any team is better than the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. As much as I don't want to admit it, this is what I brought you on for. They are wagon. They are. Um, you know, you know, you know how many times that, that I, that, that they've cost me money, like, you know, fading them, whatever, taking another team, like they, they're just good. They're good. And you know, they'll struggle during games. They find a way to win. They turn it on. They have incredible shooting. They have, they have an incredible bench. I I, I don't know how Mike Budenholzer does it. Cause I don't think he's a good coach, but the bucks are unbelievable. So I think the bucks are, um, I, I think that they are going to win. They're going to come out of the East. For some reason, I just don't think the Celtics are going to. Although I've been high on the Celtics like every... Like last year, I was like Celtics in five in the finals. Celtics going to win the finals. The whole time I was saying that Celtics going to win the finals. Mm. And in the West, um, I, I do uh, I, I do sort of... I, I think that the Nuggets, I don't think they're going to come out. Like I think something's going to happen. They always disappoint you. I, you know, it's just, it's inevitability. They're not going to... So if it's not going to be them, it's not going to be the Grizzlies. It's certainly not going to be the Kings. Um, I, I think, you know what? Yeah. The, well, let's go with the, let's go with the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks come in the are going to make the finals.
3: Okay. So Mavericks, is a, bucks, is a, who is wins how many games?
4: Uh, bucks in bucks and five.
3: Okay. Yeah. I think the bucks would welcome that matchup to be honest. I think they'd feel pretty oh, they good would about love it. Drew Holiday matching up on Kyrie.
4: They would feel very good about it. And look again, I just, the, the, the Mavericks, strike me as one of those teams that gets hot. They get hot. They make, they, they make a lot of shots. They, they, yeah. they, you know, maybe they come back from three, two down in the series um, and just, just shoot, shoot the lights out at home and, and, you know, get into that Western Conference finals. And maybe like, I, again, I just, I don't, the teams ahead of them right now, like I just have so many questions and I just, I think that the Suns there's too many expectations on the shoulders of the Suns. I don't think they're going to be the team to come out of the West and then these other teams ahead of them, like are incredibly flawed to me. And the nuggets, I just, we've, how many times have we gotten excited about the nuggets going into the playoffs and every single time they just, they find a way to lose. So I, it, it's hard for me to get, get into that, but, or get into them. But yeah. um, in, in theory, if just looking at on paper, I, yeah, I would say the nuggets, but it doesn't feel like the nuggets are going to do right. it. I think the Mavericks will do it. And I think they'll be, I think they'll play the Bucks, and um, I think it'll be a bad finals. I think the bucks will just kill them.
3: Okay. I like it a lot. I appreciate you not coming on here and just saying Celtics, Celtics and seven, whatever that would be. So, um, yeah, fun chatting. We covered even more ground than I thought we would Kenny. And, uh, I I could vow that we will have you back on this pod once again, before the end of the season, it it will not be like another year's long wait for you. That's on me.
4: That'll be great. And yeah, maybe, maybe next time I'll say something significant on here and supposed to just wasting, (laughs) wasting everyone's time. But, um, yeah, when the Knicks make the uh, conference semis, I think we can have you back on, and we can yes. we can talk about um, how great they are. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a, a fluff piece for the Knicks. I'll come on here and just 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 talk. About, we can just go player by player. How about that? We can just be like, how great is yeah. this guy? Now, how now, how great is this guy? Okay, and we'll get all. The I'll way- tell you
3: what. If if the if the Knicks make the conference semis, we could do we'll do a live podcast after one of the games, at least one. All of right. The games.
4: I'm, I'm in, uh, and you know, and, and we'll get all the way down to Derek Rose and he won't even be playing, but we'll still, we'll still get down to him.
3: I could do an hour and a half on Trevor Keels. <laughs> if I have to do it, I could do it.
4: I, I think, I think we need this to happen. I think you need to come to New York for the playoffs. And I think we need to, I think we need to go to a game.
3: We need a bucks knicks series, is what we really need. I think that would we be do. the ultimate motivator. We've also we been circling each home. other, trying to play golf for like the last three years. I was, yeah, I was actually just out in my backyard taking swings before the pod, kind of getting in the right mindset. Um, so yeah, we we need some sort of NBA playoff golf tournament extravaganza.
4: Well, I think if the Knicks play the Bucks in the playoffs, uh, I will be there. Well, I'll, I'll, that'll be okay. a good excuse for me to go. So there you okay. go.
3: All right. Well, that gives you us know you know who I don't like
4: on the next Knicks is RJ Barrett. I don't. I, I'm starting oh, okay. to lose all faith. All right, in All right. All right. We B- got to shut
3: this down. We, this is going to go another twenty <laughs> minutes. No, save it for the next pod. Kenny Ducey, you can find his work over at the Action Network. Kenny, appreciate your time as always, man. And we'll talk soon.
4: Great to be on with you, Nick.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers, and if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient